0: the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth go to shipstation.com and use code kara to sign up for your free 60-day trial that's shipstation.com code kara use code kara for a free 60-day trial that's shipstation.com promo code kara
1: there is nobody Better to take a risk on and bet on than yourself?
0: I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show. And I'm so excited to have my next guest here. I have Kate Luzio, who is not only an incredible entrepreneur, but also an, an amazing human and friend. And uh, we uh, got to know each other on this list that we are a part of. So that was uh, really, really fun. And She has just got an amazing story. She actually, like me, came from a totally different industry. She wasn't in (laughs) uh, the space that she's in now. She was in finance and banking, investment banking, at amazing locations, including Bank of America, JP Morgan, HSBC, HSBC. And she actually spent 20 years there and then (laughs) decided, I'm going to go reinvent myself and do something incredible, uh, which she did. And she uh, started an amazing space in New York City called The Luminary, which we're going to get to hear a lot about. And I think that there's so many things that I feel like Kate can talk to us about, not only switching industries, but also entrepreneurship you know, women in the workplace. Um, also, just challenges of you know what happens when you run into a pandemic, and <laughs> and uh, you know all those kind of things. So anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome! So thrilled that you are here, and uh, really, really excited to have you here. So thank you for thank coming you on for
1: having. Yeah, this is great. I'm so excited, Kara.
0: Absolutely. So just going back to kind of where you started. So you grew up East Coast, East Coast, New Jersey, Jersey girl. Yep. Jersey girl. Awesome. I was laughing at your uh, social media the, the other day that you just got your driver's license reinstated. Um, yes, so yes. you uh, were tr- you were living all over the world and lost your uh, license and uh, you got it back. So congrats. 29
1: years, literally almost like two weeks to the day of when I first got my license. And the funniest part is that in New Jersey, you get your license when you're 17. My mom drove me to that because I couldn't drive. And my mom drove me to this appointment. So uh, yes, uh, it, <laughs> I, I, what I will say is never, never let your driver's license expire ever
0: it's so true in fact i was just saying uh my uh my passports are all uh, are all expiring for uh, my whole little yes. crew and i was saying we got to just get on that and not allow that to you know become a major issue right. especially in today's day and age and n- who knows when things are open when they're not open
1: exactly exactly
0: talk to me a little bit about your career so you grew up in new jersey and then what was the, what was the first job for Kate? My, well, so I had, I grew up in New Jersey. My dad was an FBI agent. My mom's a teacher and
1: I have a brother on each side. So I tell people I wasn't raised like a girl. I was raised like a competitor. Uh, I was sandwiched in between the middle and from a very early age, it was like, you know, as soon as you could work, you're going to get a job. And that's just what you did. Right. It also taught you the value of a dollar and, 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 and work ethic. And so my first real job where I was actually getting you know, a paycheck was um, Foot Locker. And I was drawn to Foot Locker because I was an athlete and I wanted to get discount on shoes, on sneakers. So that is it. And then I ended up throughout high school, kind of triple jobbing it. I worked at Foot Locker, I worked as a lifeguard, and I also worked in a bakery on the weekends because my father was like, listen, we're going to pay for your college, which is a huge privilege. After that, you are on your own. So start saving now.
0: Good for him. Great advice. Super great advice. And so you graduated from school. Did you always know that you wanted to go into banking? Hell no. Uh,
1: it was the last thing I would have ever thought of. I was a political science major at University of Maryland. I had studied abroad. I loved international. I really thought I was going to go work for the State Department or, or even follow my dad's fo- footsteps and at and, and the FBI. And then when I graduated, it was like, Wait a second! I don't want to do this. I did a bunch of internships um, in in the political realm, and then it was the internet boom—the uh, first internet boom that you were a part of as well, right? So uh, a lot of these younger kids don't realize that there that there was one the original internet boom. And so I was working at a nonprofit, and you know there were high, all these internet startups in the DC area were hiring young kids, and so I got a job at a great startup, little little company in Northern Virginia, and then. Long story short, I went to China with them, didn't know anything, but learned a ton. Came back um, after working there on and off for two years, decided to get my master's degree at night. I couldn't afford to to quit my job because Georgetown's tuition was so expensive. And so worked at the startup, continued to do my master's. And then when I was graduating, a bank recruited me. And I remember thinking are you kidding me? I don't even know how to balance my checkbook. Please don't look at my credit score. And they said, listen, we can teach you all the technical stuff. We love your background and uh, you've gone to great schools, blah, blah, blah. Just come and try it.
0: And how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined Too, Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year.
1: Lo and behold, almost 20 years later, I was still in banking. That's wild. So which was the first bank that you worked at? So the first bank was a bank called MBNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people will remember it as an affinity credit card company, very focused on consumer. Within two years, if not even less, me working there, I was sent to mo- I was moved to Mexico. I was launching a new bank in Mexico, a joint venture, and then Bank of America bought us. So I went from working at a ten-person startup to a twenty-two thousand ba- employee bank to. Bank of America was at the time over 200,000. And so very quickly got ingrained into that really big corporate culture. I spent many years at B of A, mainly in Latin America, was recruited to JP Morgan uh, in the beginning of the financial crisis, moved to London, thinking I was going to stay there for two years, stayed there for seven, and then was recruited by HSBC, stayed there for a couple of years, and and then decided that I was going to, you know, do something more stable. And uh, that
0: was entrepreneurship. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. You mentioned somewhere in my research that you mostly had male mentors in the oh. baking industry. All of them. And wow, that's, that's wild. Now, how did you find your mentors?
1: You know, I have to say, that I really think there's a lot of this, they found me. And for the sheer reason of I was visible I raised my hand. I was out there uh, with, you know, taking risks. I was one of the people sort of saying, give this to me. I'll try it. I want to learn and and not thinking so much about making mistakes just around, hey, I got to learn everything I possibly can. And I think some of that's shown through when I first got into banking because I didn't have the financial background that my peers did. I came in many years after that or a couple of years after that. And so I felt like I had to learn faster, learn more and work really hard. And I think that was just picked up on and that I got shit done. Yeah. And so the guys, my mentors, my sponsors liked that. And there was just like, I'm just going to get it done. And I'm going to do it in a way where I'm building stakeholdership and, and navigating the firm and making connections. And so I think that was that there was a lot of that. They found me, but listen, I wasn't a shrinking violet, right? I was voicing my opinion around the table. I was asking for more opportunities. I was out there talking about, let me do more. And I think they saw that. And so I think it was, I always say it's a little bit of a push and a pull. And uh, I just, I also had bad managers and meant you know, bad guys in my life, but these particular, there's about five of them in particular that, that, and they've stayed my mentors, uh, that I still trust and lean on. And, and, you know, there
0: weren't that. that
1: many women in senior roles either yeah. when I started, there still aren't, but there were less. And so you really also had to know who had the influence and power within the firms that you work for. And it was, it, it's, it's important to have that.
0: It's so interesting hearing you talk about this. Cause one thing that I we hire a lot of people right out of school. And oftentimes yeah. what I see is that, you know, you're you're not getting sort of the structured kind of environment, which is yeah. good and bad, right? And yes. I feel like I've worked in places that are super structured, super buttoned up where you have to communicate. And I think banking, you know, we could... Say there's a lot of bad in banking a or lot, whatever yeah. they get, they, but I think that the one thing I think that you really learn in some of these corporate cultures, like the ones that you worked in, is, you know, communication, even if it's over communication, right? Yes. And yes. sort of like very buttoned up, very, you know, not just texting, hey, what's up? You know, thanks a lot kind of thing, right? It, right? It's like, dear Kara or things like that. And you can never go wrong. Would you say that? I mean, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I, I think that, you you learn a level of professionalism, yeah. understanding your audience, executive presence, uh, and, and then also that that structure that and framework, you also can understand what does that career path look like? Right, maybe you veer off of it, but you you certainly have, and and this isn't for lots of parts of of the finance world, um, and and I really like that structure. People will tell me like you you don't seem like you could have had a boss. I actually thrived in a corporate culture because I think the fact that I was an athlete growing up and I was a great student, and I like that. You're doing a good job or here's your feedback. Now go do better. Yeah. Uh, so uh, working in a smaller company, being on an entrepreneur, you don't necessarily have all that. I think it's, it's the sooner companies can put that a semblance of that in a place, the better, especially for young
0: talent. I love it. So you decide to leave after 20 years. You decide to recreate yourself. There's probably a lot of people listening, especially ones that are you know, really trying to rethink their careers and can they actually go do something? As you know, I wrote a book on Daunted that you so kindly have interviewed me on a few different platforms for, but I feel like there are people that put up walls in front of themselves to say, I can't possibly go do that because I've been in this industry. That's sort of like a dream that I would go and open up a workplace like Luminary. But I, I think that that is uh, something that I always like to bring on guests who can actually share their story. Like, why did you do it? And overall, I mean, how did how'd the idea come to you? And how did you do it?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a couple of lessons that I've learned. And a lot of it comes from the, those mentors that I mentioned. And certainly my, my father and my parent, my mom. But number one is you can always go back. Mm-hmm. Right. So whether you move within a company an industry or go out and do something completely different, if you've built up a resume, if you've built up a, rep, a reputation and you've and you've shown results, you can always go back. And, um, I agree. and so there was one of there was part of that. Right. The other thing is there is nobody better to take a risk on and bet on than yourself. Right. I am not going to not succeed right? I may fall down and pick myself back up millions of times, but I'm going to continue to grow and learn and get better. And, and if this company doesn't work out, I can do something else. Just you can like,
0: always go back. Yeah. You
1: can always go back. And so I think for me, I, I I have just because of the way I was raised, there's always been that inherent, like take a risk and you know yourself better than anyone else. And so many people will think, Oh, you had this idea. You know, was this your side hustle? I'm not a side hustle person. I'm like all in. So I had to, I quit, um, the, the, I quit banking, as I say, or I left banking. Who knows if I'll ever go back. And it really, there was no idea in my head to start a company. I was thinking I was going to go work for another company and do a completely different role. And two months later. As a woman, and you know this, Cara, you can join tons and tons of women's events. And I was like, this is not working. I'm not meeting new people. I'm getting exposed to the same people. Uh, and I don't want to just have inspiration. I want to actually learn. And I wrote a business plan. And nine months later, we opened our physical doors. 14 months later, we hit a pandemic. And now we're a global digital you know platform for women with also now having our physical space in new york and if you would ask me in march of 2018 when i when i created that business plan the the reason i i wrote that business plan was i said there's got to be a better way to convene and invest in and build women without excluding men right and so luminary was we want to build a community. We want to give programming and content so that women can actually determine, create their own definition of success versus what everyone else is telling them. And we, worked, we decided very early in that business plan, I wasn't going to just work with individuals like you and I. I was going to work with companies because that's where you can move the needle. And you and I coming from big companies and industries, that's where a lot of the talent is and they leave. And so we've got to invest in them much earlier before we say they're senior, and that's particularly women.
0: Well, I love the the content that you have too, because it really is about being a lifelong learner because it's, it's it, I mean, that is so important. And I think it's something, unfortunately... I I've spoke on a few college campuses and in business schools and really been kind of hammering this home that I think it's something that people don't think about, that basically you're graduating from school or you know, undergrad or business school, and then you get into the workforce, and then suddenly it's like you, know, you come in at a certain level, and your goal is to get to the next level. And that's what you right. think about all day long. Instead, it really is about learning and you need to be even learning when you're a CEO you need to be learning when you're 20 years in an industry right where you've got to go and and if you feel like it's really not interesting to you anymore or you're tapped out on on this or whatever why not go and reinvent yourself i mean it's what i did with the beverage industry and sort of exactly. what i was passionate about around health and you know this whole new world opened up to me that i just hadn't even really thought about or cared about frankly you know for for many years i was always kind of healthy so i thought you know, this is what I do until I wasn't. Right. And then you start to really care about it. So, so did you, what was, so you wrote the business plan, you knew how to do that. And then how did you raise the capital?
1: I didn't raise any capital. None. So
0: none, zero. That's amazing.
1: So back to that lesson, my dad, you know, I talked about my dad saying, save, save, save. So uh, and also, you know, I have I I worked really hard in my career and and had the privilege, because I say this all the time, not everybody can self-fund and their business, but I'm not manufacturing anything. Yes, I have a huge space and that's a big capital, but I saved a lot of money. Yeah. And when I wrote the business plan and I, you know, I built businesses at JP Morgan and HSBC and Bank of America. I knew how to build a business. I had infrastructure around me, but I knew how to build a business. I said, well, wait a second. I know this is gonna take that much longer if I try to go out and raise money. I also know being a banker, what all the goods and the bads are. And I decided, you know, back to that risk-taking, I understand what I want to build. I understand being a woman in the workforce and I want to build what I think women are looking for. And I think a lot of people that I would have talked to, and I know this, a lot of them white men wouldn't have understood. And so went through, built my financial projections and said, I'm going to do this on my own until I can't. And hopefully the business will be pretty quickly self-sustaining and, and that ended up happening. And so, yeah, no debt. And and really when the pandemic hit, that was so pivotal, pivotal for us because I didn't have to go and talk to a, a board. I have an right. advisory board, but I didn't have to go talk to a board. I didn't have to do, go to my investors and say, here's where we're at. I could really be nimble the team could react quickly, I could make tough decisions and we had liquidity and we had no debt. I'm not saying it's not hard, it's still hard, but we were able to rethink and adapt to the situation versus there's kind of this monkey on my back telling me I've got to do this XYZ. I think the last thing that I would say is, the reality is I didn't wanna grow for the sake of growing. I wanted to grow a sustainable and profitable company and that's what we're doing. And that's on our terms. And I could actually listen to my customers and
0: continue to deliver what they wanted versus what someone was telling me I needed to do. I love that. No, that's so, so super great. So obviously the pandemic hit, you know, and, and, uh, what so what do you see? I mean, hopefully we're coming out of it now. And and obviously you're in New York City where, you know, it's an urban environment. What what are sort of your crystal ball projections for for all?
1: You know, we we had to shut down for a couple of months because of the lockdown here in New York. And and that allowed us, honestly, silver linings. We knew we needed to continue to be there for our community that we had built thus far and the corporate members that we had. So going online for us was incredible. It accelerated our growth dramatically. Great. And we will always now have a virtual and a digital platform. And, then, and now we have members around the world. But I know that people want to come back, right? And and but they want it on their terms. So because we work with so many companies, there is a big, you know, I guess, discussion happening right now. Like, are people going to come back full-time? Are they going to want hybrid? What we think is events like we knew them, Cara, the 500-person events, the 200, are not going to come back for a really, a really long time. I think you're going to see small events start popping up. Um, I think companies are going to try to do more to bring in their employees back into the office, create some sense of team building. But I, I do think everything that we're hearing from all the companies that we work with and even the small business owners is that... There will never be a, I have to be in the office five days a week again. And if there is, if that's your requirement, people will likely leave. They want some type of flexibility. So we're also seeing more and more of our members and our corporate members coming back into the luminary space, whether they've been vaccinated, whether they just want to get out of their apartments, right? Like you said, we're in an urban city, very small quarters. People have been, I don't know how moms and dads have been doing it in the city. I really don't, because I can barely sit on a zoom at my apartment with my boyfriend and we're in the same room in the, in the you yeah, know, two hard. bedroom because it's, so I think, I think you'll slowly and surely see that. I think New Yorkers by nature want to be out and as warmer weather comes, um, you know, but we still have to remember that that's, we're still in a pandemic. Yeah. So I think the, the I always say just being ready to adapt to whatever comes, you know, and come out with you, come out swinging because you know we're we're all in this together, and the playing field has been somewhat level.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, so, would you say, like, I mean, you talked about having online events and and really having an online content play that's not going to yeah. go away. Do you think that that was kind of the biggest lesson when you look back on on that? Time that you you know nobody that I know really actually predicted a pandemic. Maybe you've got some scientists out there that will say, oh, <laughs> they totally did. But I think nobody that I knew really did. I one thing I talk about a lot is that the and I talk about in my book the two thousand eight two thousand nine financial crisis. Right, that was incredibly hard. I mean, not only for me personally and for so many other people, but as a as a small business owner. I felt like I had a knife in my stomach like through right. that whole thing like it was just it was a nightmare and I sort of compartmentalized it as okay that was a really challenging time I'll remember it but I'll try not to remember it kind of thing right. like and and I didn't really know what lesson I learned from it and then when the pandemic hit the first thing that I said to my CFO was I got to have 2 years of money in the bank we did raise money And, uh, you know, through the course of our 16-year run, and it was, I remember 2008, 2009, the reason why it was so scary was we didn't have enough runway and money in the bank, and I will never go there again and if I can help it. And so I said at the end of March when the world or the U.S. was shutting down, I said to my CFO, we've got to raise money. And we need two years worth of capital. And he said, uh, everybody's been sent home. We're on virtual. This probably isn't going to happen. And I said, we cannot allow something like Zoom to prevent us, be our wall. That's a platform. It's a tool. It's a technology play. And so we went out and raised money. But that was because of that really challenging time, that really scary time. So what I always encourage people to do is look for your scary times, right? And what did you yeah. do what did you do wrong? What did you wish you would have done? Would you say that having an online presence was was yours or what what would you say to that? Yeah.
1: You know, I it's funny because in the if I, if I go back to my business plan, we didn't even talk about digital. Mm-hmm. Right? It was all about this in-person experience and convening, and I think, you know, lesson learned uh, being able to serve impact help more people is always better I, I I don't think it was a mistake that we didn't have that because I really needed to focus I mean we were thirteen months old when the pandemic hit we weren't you know a, you know super established and and we were we're still finding our way we're, we're still developing who we are in the brand but I think for me it was the first thing we did bef- it was was listen to the community and listen to our those are our customers right I think the second thing I did was I knew because I watched companies through the financial crisis because I banked them go through the hardest times. And to your point that cash is king, right? So we, my COO, who's incredible, and I literally sat down, went through every expense. This was even before our doors were shut and said, we've got to call every single vendor and renegotiate our contract from American Express to our landlord, right? And with the exception of one, they all renegotiated with us. That's awesome. And so, you know, that gave us a cushion. Obviously we went through PPP and then really had to redefine, you know, what are those other revenue streams that we could tap into? And, you know, we lost 80% of our revenue in the three months that we were shut down. Wow. And so it was, it is, it was hard. It still is hard because you're, you're, you know, you're still building. and. There's not a safety net behind there, so we, you know, as a team, we had to be really nimble and 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 really think outside of the box around what we could do to continue to build the company while also sustaining. And you know, I say this all the time: it's not just about getting a check, right? There's so many grants, and that's wonderful, but you have to know what to do with that check if you're going to continue to sustain and then build your business. And so. We got that PPP and said, All right, this has got to go to our employees, but we've also got to figure out how to make this last a long way. I also have a great team who, you know, none of this happens like you know, um, alone. And, And they have been just,
0: I mean, stepped up to the plate every single day. That's awesome. I love, love, love hearing that. So you guys are in New York City. And how has New York been in terms of supporting you as a small business?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's been interesting. They, there are so many businesses that have gone out of business and and we've actually said we're surviving. So give the help to the companies that really need it, especially the restaurants. And I, I've sort of deprioritized. I've actually been saying how much how how much more can we support the small businesses in New York? And so I love it. You know, we created a fellowship program that's now global. Uh, and I actually think that this is a turning point for New York. And we're going to come out of this stronger like we did 9-11 and hopefully rebuild these businesses back better than they were before.
0: I love it. I mean, just in comparison, I, I've talked to a few other San Francisco um, and Bay Area companies. As you know, San Francisco has been hit very hard. Yes. and uh, and you know, it's it's interesting. I was just talking to my friend Julie Wainwright from the Real Real, yeah. and she pulled out um, of the Bay Area, and you know, really felt like she had been supported by New York and New Jersey way more than California, and yeah. and just. If you guys want to listen to her podcast, I had her on uh, a couple of months ago and it was really fascinating because she talked about, you know, during challenging times, it's really important for the cities and for the oh, states yes. to kind of step up, not necessarily monetarily, but trying to really kind of hear out small business owners um, at all levels of small businesses, and at all levels, right? Because there are different problems for different industries, and it's not just about the mom and pop shops. Definitely, those need uh, some some help as well. But I think it's also the people that are, you know, kind of running real businesses, and yeah. some of the issues that are real challenges, and checking in with them. And anyway, it was just it it was she ended up moving her California part of her business to Arizona. And like there are states, whether it's Texas or Nashville, not that Nashville is a state, but Tennessee or whatever it is, people are like, some of these states are showing up. I totally agree. And I think I, you know, no offense to New York. I think they
1: have to do better. Yeah. Right. I I do. And And I think that they can uh, as we as we head into an election right later this this year with our mayor, I, I think there's a real opportunity to run this city like a business and support the businesses that are bringing in a huge amount of tax revenue and economic uh, you know dollars as well as recovery. And if you don't get the community and the small businesses, that opportunity, you will lose like we know this right every small town in america we've seen it so new york has to really step up and and i'm hoping that uh however the mayoral election turns out we get a uh, we get a mayor that's out there and 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 really talking on behalf of small businesses and
0: as well as a governor yeah i absolutely love that and totally totally agree and you know as i always say there's there's a big space between the unicorns and you know the the one to ten people that are that are there in a in exactly. a business. There's this other group that sort of gets forgotten, especially during you know easy times, hard times, and so you have exactly. to check in with those people and really see what's going on because those they may be public companies, as Julie's is or whatever, yeah. but it's like it's real pain points and uh, and I just encourage all cities and states if people are listening that it's just really really critical to check in on that. But
1: all the way down to paid leave and everything that we're discussing about return to the office, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not just, and we love our partners like JP Morgan and Verizon and others. It's also about businesses that don't have huge budgets, that don't have, you know, big benefit plans. How do you think about return to the office for safety? How do you think about paid leave? And 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 everything that, you know, we're trying to solve by public policy, which we should, Employers and city
0: governments and state governments have to start working together as well. I totally agree. Well, Kate Luzio, so so thrilling to have you on. There's so many little nuggets in this conversation. And how, where can people find you and find Luminary? Yes, so you can find Luminary
1: on social at
0: Be a Luminary. So it's literally at
1: Be a Luminary, and then uh, online website is luminary-nyc.com. Don't let the NYC fool you. We're now global. Uh, New York City's just our headquarters. And then for me, you can find me at Kate Luzio, whether that's LinkedIn, Instagram,
0: it's all the same. And Kate's with a C, C C-A-T-E-L-U-Z-I-O. That's awesome. And everyone come back and visit us for amazing founders and CEO interviews every Monday and Wednesday now. And we are thrilled to have great people like Kate on. Please give her five stars and great reviews and all the rest of them too. And we will see you soon. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Kara. Thank you. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness.